you may have heard my colleague Mandy Wiener touch on a very interesting story which emanated from ground up. Uh, I don't think she had much time, so we're exploring this uh, at a little bit more length. And it's all about a Twitter account that seemingly is being used to sow xenophobic discord on Twitter under the hashtag Put South Africa First. Now, there's nothing wrong with that hashtag in itself, but an account in the name of Ulerato Pele has been disseminating some potentially dangerous comment. And the Centre for Analytics and Behavioural Change says this could be a coordinated xenophobic campaign. So let's find out more from the Centre's Director, Stuart Jones, who joins me right now. Stuart, good afternoon and thank you so much for your time again today. Please just tell me more about this account and the posts emanating from it. Hi, Joan, and hi, listeners. Yeah, it's good to have a little more time to chat. Um, yes. you know, we, uh, it's, it's not, it's, uh, Ulurato Pile's account is the center of, um, of the network, but isn't the network. There, there are, um, 80 verifiable accounts that have been tweeting and retweeting xenophobic content on a massive scale. Um, and then we have identified close to 300 associated accounts. Uh, that are also involved in what is clearly an, an organized xenophobic network. And to give an, a, a kind of indication of the scale um, of what's been achieved really by this network is that when we started analyzing them, they arrived on the scene on the 27th of April. Um, and in a single day, the Put South Africa First hashtag uh, was repeated uh, 16,000 times in social media, literally from 0 to 16,000 wow. in a single day. Um, and at that point, uh, the network, the broader network of 400 accounts, was amongst 6,000 people that were speaking uh, on the side of xenophobia on social media. And those 400 accounts were producing over 90% of the xenophobic content. Now, they've grown over the last uh, three months or so, uh, those 6,000 people, to now a network of around uh, 55,000 people. Um, So, in effect, they've drawn in 50,000 people into their xenophobic conversation that are now participating in what is an overtly uh, anti-immigrant and xenophobic conversation. And, you know, this occurred during the lockdown. Um, it's, it's, a, it's been, I mean, obviously xenophobia has been with us for many years, but this was a, particularly during COVID-19. Um, and particularly, you know, when, when resources are scarce during something like the lockdown um, and people are scared uh, and, and uh, their livelihoods are being threatened, uh, we always expected xenophobic sentiment to rise. Uh, we were surprised, though, to find how coordinated and manipulated this narrative was. But, but Stuart, tell, tell me, what indicates to you that this is a, co- a coordinated effort? Well, you, I mean, we, we've got various uh, kind of departments, if you like, with, within our organization. And we, uh, we have a research and analytics group that were, that were doing the analysis on this, actually with the intention of passing it over to our dialogue team, who wanted to talk into the xenophobia space, um, and kind of moderate conversations and kind of uh, dialogue with people really around these issues. Um, and it was at that point that they started to look at some of these uh, accounts and started to realize that uh, something was just fishy about them. Um, and so the kinds of things that we saw is Ulurato Pile herself, for example, I say her in inverted commas, um, tweeted 15,000 times in the space of two months. Uh, and these are original tweets. So it's clearly a, a group of people running that account. And the accounts around them would um, tweet either the same or similar content at exactly the same time, um, and various other ways of identifying uh, identifying accounts that are acting in a coordinated fashion. And, and tell me, do, do you get the sense that some people are being paid to retweet this content, Stuart? Yeah, we, 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 we haven't been able to prove that, but, I mean, the circumstantial evidence is pretty overwhelming um, that it's likely that people were paid for this. What we do see in developing countries uh, in the Twitter sphere 
is that rather than using bots, which is more of a developed world uh, way of doing things, uh, people are actually coordinated um, and and paid to to disseminate content like this, uh, either wittingly or unwittingly. A lot of those accounts have either been dormant for a number of years or were started uh, just before um, the the xenophobic content started appearing and literally just retweeted or tweeted uh, xenophobic content along with anti-EFF and anti-ANC content. So, so that's interesting. I, I was going to ask you, is it true political parties are being drawn into this in one way or another? Mm. <laughs> this is the contentious bit. Um, yeah, it, look, we haven't directly drawn the, drawn the, the links. The Daily Maverick article uh, does go a little further in taking a look at, at political parties that stand to benefit from this. So what we're seeing is... Uh, that these accounts are, that both the ANC and the EFF have taken avowedly anti-xenophobic stances all the way down to branch level and have really done a good job of doing that. But that has created um, a, a gap in the political space that is anti-immigrant. Um, and it's being filled by parties like um, South Africa First, uh, the African Transformation Movement, um, and the yet-to-be-launched uh, party of Herman Mashaba. Now, Herman Mashaba came up a lot uh, in the various tweets. He has, he's actually retweeted uh, the Put South Africa First uh, and Ularata Pile um, numerous times himself. Uh, so so it, it certainly seems that there are political parties that are either taking advantage of this or uh, potentially are, 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 have some connection to it. Uh, tell me, how do we as Twitter users conscientize ourselves against this kind of conduct on social media, Stuart? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, people keep asking me this, you know, what do you do? Uh, you know, we're fighting the good fight in there, doing our best. Um, and I think, you know, reading articles around this is really useful and having conversations like this so that people understand that all is not what it seems, that, that outrage is sometimes manufactured um, and that outrage can be weaponized, you know, and also recognize that uh, this can turn into real world violence. You know, obviously, we, we know we've seen a lot of death and violence um, around xenophobia in the past. And this kind of um, talk on social media, which is really, really hateful, uh, creates a tinderbox kind of environment. Um, our, our best bet is to uh, be really wary of what we of what we read on social media and to approach it with a level of caution. And I think always just to try and be as in you know in the boundaries of decency as we can be as human beings. Uh, what, what we see with radicalization of narratives on social media is that the intention of people that manipulate those narratives is to bring the extremes into the center, into the mainstream, so that they become part of kind of normal discourse. Uh, and, and that's really what needs to be resisted. You know, we should know xenophobia when we, when we see it. We should know racism when we see it and many other isms. Um, and we, we really should try and avoid them as best we can. Stuart, if you don't mind, I want to take a call from one of our listeners. Mangwe in Midrand is on the line to us. Mangwe, what's your question for Stuart? My question is following that hashtag, right? I've got the impression that that hashtag basically is anti-illegal immigrant. That is one to differentiate. It's not anti-immigrant. That has just been my observation. Secondly, I think if we are in open political contestation, every party is funded and they've got a way of disseminating information. Why is certain messages deemed to be incorrect or politically incorrect when they disagree with the dominant narrative? I'm struggling with the thought. All right, Mangwe, thank you for your call. Stuart, how do you respond to that? Uh, uh, Mangwe says, yeah. 
Mm. I struggle to hear the second question. Could you just repeat a bit um, of that? You know, I also struggle to hear the second question, to be honest. But but the first one was an interesting one anyway. About is it is it anti-immigrant or is it anti-illegal immigrant? Well, I mean that that is a fine dividing line, and I suppose that is the line on which xenophobia rests. Uh, what we what we have seen is that uh, a lot of this content is very much xenophobic, uh, and and if we define xenophobia as a hatred towards um, those that come from the outside, that is what we see over and over and over again under this hashtag, along with um, generalizations, taking one incident and turning it into a generalization about an entire people. Those are xenophobic sentiments. Certainly, talking about illegal immigrants is different to talking about immigrants, uh, and those, are, those can be nuanced, but ultimately a lot of this is, is, is very clearly xenophobic content. Uh, Stuart, let me just take one more call, please. Kustas in Midrand mm. is on the line to us. Kustas, do you have a comment or a question? I have a question. Um, this account has exposed the findings of the African National Congress and government. Why is it now that it is labeled xenophobic? Because the things that they are showing there, they are not things that you cannot find on an open media. Why is it not the effort is to label xenophobic when the African National Congress has failed dismally to apply the laws in this country that seeks to promote unity, that seeks to promote that everybody must be equal? What we are seeing is that whenever we talk about foreigners, they are easily labeled as, as xenophobic. Why is that? Why is it that when it is failing, then our people are labeled as xenophobic? That's my question. Kustas, thank you for that. Stuart, what is the answer to that? Uh, well, I think similar, similar to, my, to, to my answer previously is that, uh, you know, a rational discussion around, around um, the boundaries of what is legal and what is illegal in terms of the work that people uh, do and, the, and, and, and people coming into the country is a, is a perfectly normal conversation to have. But when that stretches into hatred, uh, which is the definition of xenophobia, hatred towards those that come from the outside, then that has to be called out for what it is. I think we have a tendency in this country to, to be, you know, I'm not xenophobic, but, and it's a really, really dangerous road to be going down, the generalizations that come with that. They're, 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 they really bring out the worst side of us. Um, and I think that particularly under, under COVID and under lockdown, under the extreme stresses, we're a stressed country as it is, our, our society has got really deep fracture lines um, that, uh, that, that COVID has uh, magnified because uh, because resources are so scarce, it's really easy to fall back into these um, these sense of othering, uh, constantly putting ourselves in one box and the other into another box, um, and it's and it's re- it's really really dangerous. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I I can't say much more than that other than than um, it's a, a common sense of humanity. I think is what should prevail. Stuart, thank you so much for speaking to me this afternoon. Stuart Jones is Director at the Centre for Analytics and Behavioural Change.